Thank you for being here, and thank you if you're watching online. It's great to be seen by you. We're glad you're with us, too. Um, I want to start with a question today. What would Jesus say? WWJS. What would Jesus say? It's kind of hard sometimes to predict what Jesus would say, but what would he say about... Um, some of the disasters that have taken place recently. What would he say about the death of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis? What would he say about the 29 people who have died in the protests after that event? What would he say about the 12 people that died as a result of the hurricane that swept up the East Coast last week? What would he say about 161,000 COVID-19 related deaths? What would he say? I mean, I don't want to stand up here and tell you what he would say, because one of the things that I've seen about Jesus as I read the Gospels is like he was unpredictable. To me, that's one of the attractive things about Jesus. I mean, it was hard for the followers of Jesus to know where he was going to go, what he was going to do, what he was going to say next. And if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want to say that's one of the beautiful things about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is like he's unpredictable. But I do know, as I look at the New Testament, what he did say about some disasters that took place back in his day. So I'd invite you today to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Because what Jesus does is he takes some catastrophes and he says, there are some lessons for us to learn as a result of these catastrophes so that you are more right with God. I mean, he says some pretty amazing, some pretty bold things. We're in our series here called No Filter. So, so Jesus is like unfiltered as he speaks to people. And he says some bold and some brash things, and that's what we're going to uncover today. Now, before we dig into that, I want you to take a self-assessment. Uh, so if you look at your screen on your computer or look at the screen here in the room, here's the self-assessment. So give yourself a grade, A to F, and pluses and minuses are fine. You can do that. Give yourself a B plus if you want to. Look at these statements. When a disaster happens, I instinctively think, that could have happened to me. Is that the way you think? A to F. Second statement. I rarely allow the patience of God to diminish my urgency to get right with God. Give yourself a grade. Next one. I often think about what it would be like to stand before God to give an account of my life. And then the final one, the fact that I will one day be judged motivates me more than terrifies me. So where did you score highest? Don't have to say it out loud. Where did you score lowest? And what do your scores tell you about your readiness to stand before God? 
today we're going to dive into this passage, Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, and we're only going to go up through verse 9 today. And what we're going to discover are a couple of things about God, a couple of truths about God. We're going to explore His patience, and we're going to explore His investigation of our lives. God's patience is for our repentance, and God's inspection is for our production. Those are the two big ideas that we're going to see today. First, God's patience is for our repentance. And this is in verse 1. Then there were some present at that very time who told him, who told Jesus, some people are around Jesus and they're talking to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So the Galileans, these are people that live north of Jerusalem, and they had traveled a little ways to get to Jerusalem. And Pilate is the Roman governor. And evidently, during worship, Pilate had slain these guys, killed these guys, sent his Roman soldiers in to execute them. Now, we don't know really why. We don't know what happened here. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of have to read between the lines. I just wonder if these Galileans weren't protesters, protesting Rome's rule as unjust. And Pilate goes, I'm going to put a stop to that in the midst of worship. Now, what's telling to me is what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say, uh, oh, Pilate, you know, he is a tyrant. Pilate's got to go. He doesn't comment on Pilate's cruelty. He doesn't say, you know what, we, we got to get us a better governor. I, I'm going to start a letter-writing campaign to Rome to make sure we get a different governor. He doesn't say that. And he also doesn't say that those people that died must have been really, really bad people. So, Jesus, what do you think about Pilate killing these Galileans? What do you think about that? Verse 2, and he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So, just like today, people have the idea, well, you know, if something really bad happened to them, then they must have had it coming. They must have kind of deserved it. Now, we might not say that out loud, but we kind of think those things. You know, he had a heart attack because, and we fill in the blank. Or she got a divorce because, and we fill in the blank. Or uh, he had that wreck because, and we fill in the blank. And Jesus is saying here, listen, those people that died are not worse sinners than you. And then Jesus gives us his, like, no filter message. This is in verse 3. No, I tell you that unless you repent, you will likewise perish. This is not a soft message. <laughs> this bold, this brash this, this big time in your face message here. Unless you repent, the Roman soldiers might show up and kill you too. Wow. 
unless you experience a complete and radical reorientation and change of your life, you may be cut down like they were cut down. Repent. Uh, the Greek word here is metanoia, and it really means a change of mind which produces a change of life. It is a radical change of mind about who God is, about who I am, about the direction I'm headed, about the direction God wants me to go. I'm changing, and I'm going to experience a radical change in my life as a result of it. And then Jesus gives us kind of another scenario. The first scenario is kind of like oppression and injustice is the reason these people die. The second scenario, we got some people dying, and it's just kind of a natural disaster. It's kind of a random thing that happens. Look at verse 4. Jesus is still talking. Or those righteous on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, those 18 did I say righteous? Those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam felled and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? So you have a tower uh, at the southeast wall of Jerusalem. It's near this pool called the Pool of Siloam, and it fell, and when it fell, 18 people are killed. And so some people have died at the hands of a wicked governor. Other people die because of a calamity, a disaster, a natural disaster, a random act. But Jesus' application for both of those is exactly the same. Look at verse 5. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So I wonder what he would say today. I don't know, but he might ask, do you think those 12 who died because of the hurricane that swept the East Coast last week are more sinful than you? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish. Do you feel like the knee on the neck of George Floyd that took his life happened because he was somehow worse than you? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Do you think the 161,000 people who have died because of COVID are worse off than you? No, you need to repent or you will perish. That's a no-filter message. That, that, that's strong. That's not comfortable for me to get up here and talk about. But these are words that came from the most loving person who ever walked on the face of this planet. Because he cares not just about your comfort in the here and now, but your comfort in the there and then. Jesus is teaching us what to think when a catastrophe happens. We got to think like that could have happened to me. I could be in a hospital room fighting for my breath, my next breath. That could happen to me. And if it did happen to me, it would, I would deserve it. The Old Testament says the soul that sins will die. Well, that's me. The New Testament says the wages of sin is death. Well, that's me. And that's you. The fact that I am still alive and the fact that you are still alive is because of the, the goodness, the long-suffering, and the patience of God. That's why we're still alive. 
He is giving us an opportunity to repent. I got to turn away from my selfish, self-centered, godless ways. I've got to turn to God in faith and obedience. And the fact that some horrific end hasn't taken place to snuff out my life is because God is patient and kind toward me, giving me an opportunity to turn to him again and again. Jesus says the death of these people, not a reminder of their sins, it's a reminder of our sins. Because their sin is not some extraordinarily horrible thing. Their sin was an ordinarily horrible thing, just like your sin and mine. The deaths are reminders of the urgency to repent. So what does repentance mean? Well, repentance means I've been going the wrong way in life, and God wants me to make a U-turn and go his way. I've been selfish. I've been self-centered. I've been arrogant. I've been filled with pride. I've been lusting. I'm greedy. I'm materialistic. I'm a whiner. I'm a complainer. I'm supposed to be tender and loving, and I've been irritable and hard to get along with in my home. I've been critical. I've been judgmental. I've been a gossip. I've been a procrastinator. Now, we could keep going. God says, repent. Turn around and go the other way. And the fact that you're still alive today means he's giving you that opportunity. First Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is patient. He's giving you a shot to turn to him. Romans chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We don't have this perpetually ticked off God. We've got a God who longs for us to come to him, who wants to give us life. He doesn't want us to perish now and forever. He wants us to live now and forever. And that's why you're still alive, to give you a chance to repent and to turn to him. Why wouldn't you want to turn to a God who is that patient, that long-suffering, and that kind, who's giving you chance after chance after chance to return to him? God's patience is for our repentance. God's inspection is for our production. And so now Jesus turns to tell a short story to kind of illustrate the urgency of repentance and the result of repentance. Look at verse 6. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. 
So you got a guy who owns a vineyard, a lot of great plants, right? And in that vineyard is a fig tree. He's looking for fruit from the fig tree. Now, Jesus could very well be talking about the nation of Israel here. Because in the Old Testament, we have some prophets like Joel and Micah and Hosea. They use the fig tree as an image for the nation. So the people of God in those days, they were supposed to bear fruit and bless the world. And so God is looking for the nation to be fruitful, to bless other people. So he's expecting Israel to be a fig tree that blesses the world. So, uh, but he looks and there's like no fruit on this tree. Verse 7. And he said, the owner says to the vine dresser, to his like caretaker, the guy that's working the fields, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Now, what God is looking for from your life and from my life is fruit. He wants to see us bear fruit for his glory. That's what he's after. That's what he longs for. Are you a fruitful Christian? And sadly, what happens is he comes to some of us and he's looking for fruit. And this is what he sees. We're empty. We're not bearing the fruit of a Christian. And he comes back year after year after year, and he looks. And finally he says, this is not going to bear fruit, so you know what? <laughs> You're going down. You're going to be cut down. He's not playing. He's expecting us to bear fruit for his glory. Now, what's the fruit of a Christian? Y'all talk to me through your masks. I want to hear what you think the fruit of a Christian is supposed to be. Love, okay? What else? Oh, I know where you guys are going. Joy, what else? Peace, okay. You know what you're talking about here, right? You're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace. That's what he's looking for. I'm looking for love. I'm looking for joy and peace in your life and patience and kindness. How have you been at home during COVID-19? Peaceful, patient, kind, gentle. You know, we hear stories in our office about how things are really going in some of your homes. It's not pretty for some of us because the stress of all of this is pulling out irritability and anxiety and worry and harshness and criticism and judgmentalism in a lot of marriages. And when God sees that, this is what he's seeing, no fruit instead of this. So the fruit of a Christian is the fruit of the Spirit. What else? What else does God want to see? Leading others to Christ. Uh, yes, the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. I mean, you plant some apple seeds in the ground, what do you get? An apple tree. You plant yourself in this world, there should be other people that have their ticket punched to heaven because of your life and your words that you've actually led somebody to faith in Christ. What else? What are some other things that God wants to see? 
Say it. Forgiveness. That's so huge. Because people are going to hurt you in this world. I mean, I think about these signs around the room. We call this the fruit of new life. Do you live life as a beloved child, or do you live life as a disgruntled employee of God? Are you a self-feeder? Are you reading your Bible and praying? Are you a servant to the last, the least, the lost? Are, are, are you a servant to the hungry and to the people that need a visit in the hospital and to the people that are thirsty and to the people that are poor? Are you an investor? Are you giving your money to build the kingdom? Are you a disciple or helping somebody else get close to Jesus? Are you a, a missionary out there trying to help somebody come to faith in Christ? These are the things that God... Look, these are not like options for us. The, the Lord is really expecting us to bear fruit. He's, he's a fruit inspector. Do I see this or do I see this? What is it in your life? Jesus wants to know. Look at verse 8. Oh, verse 7. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should I use up the why should it use up the ground? Verse 8. And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. So this vine dresser, who by the way could be an image of Jesus who is saying to the Father, I'm, I'm here. Let me dig around this plant and let me put some miracle grow in the ground and let me see if something's going to happen here. And then he says in verse 9, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you could cut it down. Now, notice, Jesus is um, saying that God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, maybe the 70th times seven chance. But there comes a point in time when the chances are over. He gives us chance after chance after chance. And again, we are highlighting the patience and the long-suffering and the kindness of our God. I mean, what's amazing is not that sinful people perish, but what's amazing is our loving God keeps giving sinful people chance after chance after chance to come back to Him. God is looking for fruit. And if the basket is empty time and time and time again then he's bringing out the chainsaw. And you will be cut down. You will be cut down. And you will perish. A group of seekers once came to a man of God named John the Baptist. And here's what he asked them. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? We'll tell you what to do. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Because when you repent and you turn from your way and you begin to go God's way, you will bear fruit. 
Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. The chainsaw is buzzing. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Are you bearing fruit? You say, well, how how do I bear fruit? (laughs) Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so our job, stay connected to Jesus. Our job, stay attached to Jesus. Our job, read your Bible and pray and meditate on it throughout the day. Our job, pray without ceasing. Our job is to stay deeply, widely, powerfully, consistently, and purely connected to Jesus. God's patience is for our repentance. God's inspection is for our production. And we kind of want you to feel the weight of this no-filter message. So today I've asked Nate and the team to, to, to sing a song that's a traditional kind of in-your-face folk song. So check this out. It's called God's Gonna Cut You Down. Black and white, what's done in the dark will be 
right to the light. You can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta catch you down. Sooner or later, gotta catch you down. Go tell that long tongue liar. Go tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbite. Tell them the guy's gonna cut it down. Tell them the guy's gonna cut their down. Tell them the guy's gonna cut their Some of us have been running on for a long, long time. And you're testing the patience and the long-suffering and the kindness of God. But sooner or later, the chances are over. Do you think God takes pleasure in cutting people down? Do you think God takes pleasure in people perishing? Ezekiel chapter 33. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. So turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die? God's not happy to do this. He wants to do this in your life. Why will you die when you could live? Jesus is pointing out the necessity of timely repentance. The gospel is good news, but it's only good news for people who repent in time. And those who do not repent, those who remain unconverted, those who refuse to change their lives, who refuse to yield to Jesus, are headed for destruction. Isaiah chapter 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. And call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, for he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's who God is. God's patience is for our repentance. God's inspection is for our production. Why am I still alive? Because God has given me time. repent and produce so maybe today is your day to repent before it's too late on the screen there's a there's a prayer that I encourage you to to pray with me I praise you Lord for your patience that's why I'm alive through the disasters you've allowed you've gained my attention so today I repent. I turn from sin and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has made it possible 
for me to be forgiven. And I received Jesus into my life. Now help me bear the fruit that you long to see in my life. And may I be a blessing to you and to the world around me. I mean, some of you online, some of you in the room, may be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that and really meant it. And if that's true, then kind of raise your hand and let us know. And the way you can do that is text the word Jesus to 440-276-5575. And we're not going to show up and harass you and bug you, but we would like to receive just the understanding from you that you've responded to Christ because we want to help you take your next step so that you can bear the kind of fruit that God's looking for in your life. Some of us, hey, online, in the room, you've already prayed prayer like that, but God showed up today, got your attention today, and you're going, okay, what's next for me? Four things, be humble. And when a tragedy happens, instinctively think, that could have happened to me. Maybe should have. Be humble. And then be urgent. Never allow the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the long-suffering of God to diminish your urgency to get right with Him. Like today. And then be ready. Think often about what it's going to be like to stand before God and give an account of your life because you, you, you're, not going to, you're not going to go to heaven empty-handed. You're going to be busy bearing fruit for him. And then be busy. The fact that you will one day be judged ought to motivate you more than it terrifies you. Now, we don't want the urgency of this no-filter message from Jesus to lose its impact. So if you would just like to receive a a super short text message uh, over the next seven days, then text the word REPENT to that same number. I spent some time working on just crafting, you know, some things to think about, some things to read, some things to pray. And you'll get like, you know, what is it, 240 characters or something like that (laughs) over the next seven days just to remind you of some of these truths. So text the word repent to 440-276-5575. Lord God, we praise you that we see your patience in the fact that we're still breathing. Lord, get our attention through the disasters of the hurricane, the tragic death of a George Floyd, the deaths of 161,000 fellow Americans. Get our attention. Lord, I believe you've left us all here alive because we're supposed to be a blessing to the world. So today we repent of our malaise our lack of focus our disobedience our arrogance our pride our sluggishness our complacency our lukewarmness our worldliness and help us to bear the fruit of the spirit the fruit of new life and do it all because of Jesus Jesus and for Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Everybody sit.
Amen.